Welcome back to the Friendship Bread Podcast. I'm Alma, and I'm here with Crystal. Hello. We love to have real and honest conversations about life and how the Amish culture that we grew up in shaped our mindsets. This week, as you know, we are sharing part two of our conversation with Brenda. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, me too. So in the first episode, Brenda talked a lot about deconstruction and like what um, the journey of her faith was looking like. Yeah. And so in the second part, Brenda talks a lot more about rebuilding and just how like changing some of those different mindsets that she had. Yeah. And what that's looked like for her. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's super interesting and we hope you guys enjoy it. Yes, definitely. But when we left the Mennonites, we knew we didn't want to raise a family there. We knew that's not what we wanted for our family. And so I feel like then we did start deconstructing in a way, but we never pushed too far. Like we didn't want to look at some rooms that needed to be deconstructed. Mm -hmm. And the major deconstruction happened, started happening two and a half years ago. That makes so much sense because... Just like you explained a little bit ago, sometimes you just literally don't have the energy Mm -hmm. to focus on, like you said, rooms. Yes. And I think that's human nature, too, to, like, not want to deal with the rooms that might be painful or Mm -hmm. harder to work through. Like, I think it's human nature to be like, we're going to see if, you know, if we can leave those, we're (laughs) just going to leave them and and not deal with them until you realize you have to. Like, I think that's something we tend to do. Yeah. Because, well, if your whole identity and foundation of your life Mm -hmm. is based on this one thing, and now you're telling me I should deconstruct it, Mm -hmm. where does that leave me? Mm -hmm. That's what I struggled with. Like, who, what, who am I? What am I? Like, Mm -hmm. if I can't trust myself, Oh my As a person, yeah. like if I can't trust my intuition mm-hmm. because I have to rely on everything that my husband says or like my father says or my pastor Bishop, says, yeah. then I can't trust myself. Oh my goodness. You just touched a huge thing that mm-hmm. has been a major struggle in my life is learning to, to listen to my intuition again. Yes. I actually have told Crystal I want to do an episode on that sometime. Mm-hmm. Oh, that just was- simply... Just simply learning to trust yourself again. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's huge. It's in, yeah, it's, I don't have words for it. No, it's, it's like a, it's a long process. Like Very long. Years. Oh, long yes. I'm process. still working on yes. it. Me too. I mean, honestly, I think that's something too, like trusting yourself. Like that's something that literally goes beyond even the Amish. Like, oh, I think for it's, sure. Like, yes. It's like everywhere. It's for like, sure. No, you can't make a choice about your health because you have to do what your doctor says. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's just one example, Mm -hmm. but like that happens with so many things. You can't look at the information and make a choice yourself because you're not smart enough to do that. Yeah. And every people who are smarter than you are going to tell you what you need to do with your life. Yes. And okay. Going back to what you were talking about, about like, so you joined a home church then after you left the Amish. And I want to kind of touch on that. When people leave the Amish, we go from this position of the bishop has been the rule maker, the rule setter, and you listen to him. And then the next, like you said, father, husband. Mm -hmm. And then we move into churches that aren't Amish. And we move into groups that don't believe things the Amish believe. But I feel like it is the tendency of someone who has grown up 
in a culture where there is a central mm-hmm. figure that we place our own central figure. Yes, because we aren't taught to make our own choi- choices. No. And we rely on someone else to make majority of basic life choices for us. Yeah. So we don't know how. Mm-hmm. Like critical thinking, I wasn't taught that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also why we were ended up where we ended up. Mm-hmm. Is because it's just sort of the following a progression. And if you actually look at it, it's sort of all the same. Mm-hmm. One person's in charge, tells the other people what to do. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, you leave. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you find something else. Mm-hmm. And you do the same thing there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do think it's really interesting that, like, most people who leave the Amish, like, not all, but, like, majority, go from Amish to Mennonite and from Mennonite to a home church. Like, the majority of the people go through that process. Like, mm-hmm. it's the process my parents went through. And I know so many families who went the exact same process. And it's just interesting to And then me. it's followed by a line of, well, we didn't agree with that church anymore, so we left there. Mm-hmm. And we joined this other church, and then we didn't agree with them anymore, so we left there. And it's it's this string. Yeah. But- yeah. It's the whole thing of not being able to be okay with other people that don't have the same values yeah. on certain things that you do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as a whole, you're not taught how to have relationships with people that have different opinions and still yeah. value and respect them as a person, mm-hmm. even yeah. if it's different. Yeah. I was just thinking that because I was thinking about the different experiences of different home churches that I was in. And that would be the thing. Everyone in this home church, they're all friends. A friend group that became their own home church. And then they start to disagree with each other. And they can't, like, they don't have the... They haven't been taught to how to like process through those things, how to be okay with disagreeing with someone and like still continuing to have that relationship. So the so whole not home only church the home just group, would get split but apart. Friend group. Yes. That's hard. It but is. like, isn't that saying a lot though, that when a friend group yeah, it can't, is. you know, like not yeah. just even on a church level, but like a friend level mm-hmm. can't see past those things. Yeah. With the friend level, like, I know what you're saying, but, like, the friend level, like, the friend group that would become in church, would they also have the person that would decide? And then that's what, like, the, basically the pyramid, like, someone on top, and then the next levels. I think I remember a couple of our home churches, like, maybe there would be a person who would kind of be like, hey, everybody can come over here and we'll do it. But I think most times I think they took turns mm-hmm. preaching. And... um I guess I'd have to ask my mom and dad mm-hmm. what their memories would be on that. But my, to my memory, most of them, they took turns preaching. Yeah. Interesting. Instead of just one person. Because just, I know, I, I feel think, like that's I think that was one of the my dad had an issue with, was just one person being in charge. Yes. Someone should come in and teach them how to have relationships with mm-hmm. people that feel different about different things. Yeah. And holding space for those people. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge, huge thing coming out of the Amish is just, yeah, basic respect for someone who doesn't believe the same as you. And that sounds horrible, but do you know, though, I feel like currently (laughs) that's just the world. Yeah. Like it's not even just the Amish A lot of people are learning that. I mean, I ran into someone that I worked with at a store. 
And I told her that I realized I couldn't see anything on her Facebook anymore. And the way she responded told me that she had actually removed me because she knew that I wouldn't agree with her viewpoints. Mm. And I had to tell her, I'm like, well, I might not agree. Like, we might have different opinions, but I still love you. Mm -hmm. And she was honestly, she looked shocked. And then she was like, well, I guess if you want, you can find me and I'll add you back. And she did. She added me back. I actually didn't have to go find her. She found me and added me back. But, well, like, that was just, and, and she's, you know, like 70 years old. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And, and she has no Amish background. No, none whatsoever. Yeah. But I think it is good it is. to see different, like, something like, say, yes. Facebook, Instagram, like, interact with people that have different opinions. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it does... You get to know them as people. Like, yeah. I think that's what a lot of we tend to forget is mm-hmm. that they are people. They view things differently because of their life circumstances, mm-hmm. like how they grew up, mm-hmm. things that happened to them, and don't value them as people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. instead just see them as something that is different than us yeah. and is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not necessarily wrong. Yeah. It's just a different yeah. truth for that person. I completely agree. I mean, there's a um, there's a quote, and now I can't remember who it's by, but when you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to examine where you're going or something like that. Um, I'll have to find it. I keep I thinking of – I think I brought it up our last episode. Maybe I can't remember for sure. But every time I just have to think of, like when we talk about disagreeing with people, of um, Carlos Whitaker and how he says, I stand with people. I don't stand on issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just love that so much because yeah. I really love how he says that. And like, it's like being with people regardless of where they stand on things and having like a difference in opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I completely so agree. Um, if you are surrounding yourself all the time with people who just have the exact same views as you, how are you supposed to know like anything else about the world? Like t- talk about sheltered. Like very that sheltered. is a very sheltered view. Mm-hmm. It is. Because those people probably grew up the same as you. You're not looking at, um, I mean, like, really bad example, but city mouse, country mouse. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know how other people grew up. You're not you're not putting yourself in their positions in their shoes. And you, a lot of people also, like, don't know how to listen. Yeah. And they don't want to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's another really good stand on issues, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not stand with people. Yeah, completely agree. We kind of strayed a little bit, I guess, from yes. what we originally <laughs> were starting starting to talk about. But we started talking about how coming out of the Amish, we kind of do tend to put um, people on pedestals, and we kind of place an authority figure. If one isn't given to us, we kind of place one. Mm-hmm. Um, you spoke a little bit earlier about that you you experienced your oneness with your husband really being heavily taught and like your identity being as one. Um, and we were talking a little bit earlier about identity as a woman coming mm-hmm. out of the Amish. Was there anything else um, that you gleaned from that experience that you feel like really helped you in learning more with your identity? That is a loaded question. <laughs> um, 
there were a lot of different things that helped me. I guess it just came down to realizing that I am a human being. I have a soul. I have my own body. Mm-hmm. I am my own person. And if God created me, mm-hmm. and if God knew what he was doing, then he didn't mess up. Mm-hmm. And so I have to accept myself for who I am and be confident in that. Mm-hmm. And be okay when my opinion is different than my husband's mm-hmm. or different than my parents. Yeah. And be like, this, that's okay if you don't agree. This is what I believe. And if you want to know why, I can tell you mm-hmm. more about that. But just standing in who I am mm-hmm. and being okay with who I am. Mm-hmm. That is what helped me the most and is what is still helping me the most. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, you're still growing. You're still learning. Yes. There's still things that I'm working through. I'm actually wanting to get into therapy. I know I need it. (laughs) It's just a lot of we're not taking new clients right now that I've been getting. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally understand that. I, it's been very helpful for me too, because I feel like having that third person. especially someone who has a totally outside perspective of the Amish Mm -hmm. is like, they can really point out to you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I think honestly, I think that that outside unbiased perspective is like, it's invaluable. I mean, Mm -hmm. like there's, there's, yeah, you can, you can do so much growth on your own. Don't get me Mm -hmm. wrong. Oh yeah. And, um, with, the supportive people in your life too but Mm -hmm. there is some times that you kind of reach a point that therapy is just the next like what what we need to do (laughs) they will see things and address things that you probably don't want to see yourself or Mm -hmm. wouldn't see yourself or view differently that Mm -hmm. would also tie into how you grew up Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, with everything you're saying about being a woman that comes out of the Amish, um, there's so much we equate with our gender roles coming from the Amish. To this, like, to this day, for example, uh, I've been married eight years in August and we don't have children yet. To this day, when I talk to someone who is ex Amish or still Amish, um, and they ask, oh, are you married? Yeah, I've been married. Uh, how long have you been married? Eight years. Oh, do you have any children yet? No, we don't have any children yet. I feel the need to explain why we don't have children. Oh, yes. I feel the need to explain why we only have one. Yeah. There's there's this, like, gender. I, I, and has my husband ever felt that? No, but he also didn't <laughs> grow up Amish, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't think my husband really feels that either, so. Yeah, I know, there's a difference. There's not that men. pressure put on guys. It isn't. No, but I feel this need. And, like, there was one time that my grandparents came to visit um, for a very brief, like, mm-hmm. when you're shunned, your, your grandparents, like, or in my mom's case, her parents, they don't come to visit, visit. They'll be like, we're driving through, or, okay, the Amish community I grew up in, at least. Mm-hmm. My grandparents will call my mom the morning of and say, we're driving through your area to go to aunt so-and-so's house. Is it okay if we stop in for a little while? And they'll be at my mom's house for 
an hour. And she'll alert the family. If you want to see grandma and grandpa, they'll be here for an hour at this time. And some of us see them, some of us don't. And um, I, this was one such occasion. They were there for like an hour and I came over and I was there for 30 minutes or so. And the, the outfit I happened to be wearing, I didn't have a very good skirt. Like I was, I wore like the most unflattering, <laughs> not that they care because I don't care about fashion, but I remember feeling very uncomfortable in my outfit because it's not what I would normally wear. And the shirt I was wearing was very unflattering. And I was holding my like hands over my stomach the whole time. And later my mother got a letter from my grandmother and in it, she wrote, I forget exactly how she worded it, but basically, I'm not sure how far along Alma would be, but something about being happy for my mom that she's going to be having something along those lines. And I remember just being like, see, they would assume that. I had been married for two years, I think, at that point. No, one year. I would be having a baby. <laughs> yep. I would be having a baby anytime. Anytime though. Anytime like, you now. should. Here we are eight years later. Um, yeah. You must not be doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Don't understand things. At this point, I am either infertile <laughs> or I am using contraception. Oh my goodness. How dare I? <laughs> Crystal's dying. <laughs> oh, there's so many things I want to say. <laughs> and so to this day, eight years later, and I have not been Amish since I was seven years old, I still feel the need to explain why eight years into my marriage, I don't have children. And that's how much the gender roles and the responsibility of being a wife and a mother sticks with it's, you. It's yeah. the whole thing. Of, that is, that's your purpose on being on this earth. Yes. You were created to be a wife, a helpmeet, a supportive, yes, honey, to your husband, mm -hmm. and to give birth to a lot of children. Yes. And that's just crazy because that whole mindset is part of what triggered my, or like started the whole deconstruction thing. Because mm -hmm. it was like, at that point, we knew we were only having one kid. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, what am I going to do? My whole value as a person is like... I'm basically done. Mm. Oh, wow. So I hit wow. midlife crisis at 30. <laughs> like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I'm only 30. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, um, uh, our daughter still needs a lot of attention and, like, parenting. And she will for a long time. But it is different. Like, mm -hmm. there's not the newborn stage. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you see an end in sight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when she turns 18, you're an and then empty I'm like, What am I going to do? We're going to be young. Mm -hmm. Like, I like, what's my purpose? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing that I see so many Amish women. I still know a lot, obviously. But, like, when their youngest marries, they have a hard time with that adjustment. Mm -hmm. Or even, like... It doesn't have to be the youngest. It can be the oldest or any one of them. Like the whole letting go mm -hmm. and letting them be their own families mm -hmm. is very hard for them wow. because their whole value as a person is hinged on their children. And when their children don't need them anymore, what are they good for? Mm -hmm. You have just touched on, wow, 
I, I'm curious now that you've said that. I'm curious if that's why in a lot in like I feel like in general the Amish culture parents have a harder time letting go than in like the I mean air mm-hmm. quotes English culture. Yes. Um, because I've and that varies. Every family's different. There's a lot of English women who mm-hmm. baby their children well until their 30s, mm-hmm. you know, and don't want to let go of their sons, but. In general, I feel like in the Amish, there's still very much a tie. Children are still very much tied to their parents. Very much. Like to the point where my mom and her sisters still go home to their mom. I don't think it's every week anymore. Maybe every other week. Like they will go to their mother for the day Mm. and just be there. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not as often, like, I remember growing up, we would go every Tuesday. That's what we did. We went to grandma's house. And now, like, my mom expects the same thing. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not coming over once a week. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't. Mm-hmm. And it's the same, like, my grandparents still host Christmas mm-hmm. for all their seven kids and their, I don't know, 70 grandkids mm-hmm. and countless great-grandchildren. They still give every grandchild and great-grandchild a gift. Wow. And that's one thing if... Wow. I feel like the motivation there is what makes it... Makes or breaks it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Am I saying it right? Like, I feel like that can be done in a really wonderful way. Yes. Like, oh, we're a very close family and we all love each other. Mm -hmm. Or it can be done in a, like... Well, you're kind of responsible to your family and you have to be there for your family. Yes. Well, my grandma has said that's why they – one of the reasons they still do the gifts is so all the great – all the grandchildren will will come with their families. Mm. So it's like – Wow. And like – so we don't go. Like we're also then the first cousin that's married and has like my – I have my own family. We're the first ones that don't go for stuff like that. And we've missed the last few years. Mm -hmm. And it's always, I always hear, yeah, but grandma will be so sad if you don't come. Mm -hmm. You'll make her sad. And Mm -hmm. like, and that's kind of hung over your head. Oh, it is very much. It's like the whole pressure of. You have to please grandma. Yeah. You have to please. Cause like, it's the whole thing of, I'm sure grandma wants to feel the value of this is what she did. Like she can sit there and see her life's work. In a way. Oh, my goodness. I never thought of that. Whoa. See, for my mom's side of the family, I actually enjoy our family gatherings, so Mm -hmm. I love to go to them. Mm -hmm. But you've never, like, looked at the perspective of, like, that's what causes their work. No, I've never never thought of that. But also, I think, okay, my grandma was also not the typical Amish woman in that when she didn't have kids at home anymore, she got a job. She worked at a Dollar General for so many years. And then finally she was talked into retiring and then she still went back and worked some more. <laughs> I mean, and she, she loved it. And so she did that for a long time. And so I think she did kind of like find her own identity in that. See, but every Amish so, person is different. So okay. Every person. <laughs> Clarify. The rest of us are all the same. Um, no, but every single person is yeah. different. That goes so much to show, like, you can't generalize every single person. Yes. And then and they I, did, they did do, like, for a long time, um, they would give gifts to, like, all of us grandkids. 
But then, I mean, I think there's, there's 40 some of us now and I've lost track of how many great grandchildren there are. But at one point they stopped doing that and they were like, you know what, instead of doing gifts, we're going to do like an activity. So we'll like pay to do a family activity together. So like one year they took everybody to the wilds and then on like a, we went to a longhorn ranch, I think. And then they went and went to eat somewhere. We did that. But now there's so many that it would be so expensive. And everybody told them, we were like, no, like it's not expected. And everybody was like, we'd honestly rather see you use your money for you two to go do something by yourself. And so they did. They, you know, started going to Florida for the winters and they've gone on a couple of cruises and stuff like that. This is, it is very interesting because then my Amish grandma has to sneak letters out of her house because she's not allowed to write to her children that are shunned because of the community my grandpa moved her to. So she literally will write letters, sneak them to her sister's house, and mail them from my sister, her, my great aunt's house. That's crazy. And we, we don't, she always, she has this thing that she writes every single person, every um, child of hers and every grandchild a birthday card every year. How she keeps track incredible. She has seven children and a ton of grandkids. And she always, I always get a birthday card either on or several days before or after my birthday every year. And, um, it's gotten to the point we don't write thank you cards back because grandpa will know she wrote. And so if we do write her a letter, we just have to write like, hi grandma, I've been thinking of you. Um, I hope you're doing well. Here's how my life's going. Um, Okay. And make it sound like you just like spontaneously yes. decided to write her and yes. that you're like, the writing a response. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Level. Anyways, okay. We kind of interrupted you, but um, no, okay. I, you were talking. I about- just found it interesting that Crystal's grandma has Facebook and goes to Florida. I also do feel at a certain point when you're Amish, the church. Sort of stops caring about what you do. Yes. <laughs> Once like, you get old enough, they if, don't care as much. They don't. Yes. They don't. Yes. Like, it's the same thing for my parents. Like, so they, all their kids have married, except for my younger, youngest brother, still lives at home, isn't Amish. He's getting married in December. And it's just like, they just sort of do their own thing. It's and almost as like long they gain as seniority or something. Well, it's almost like they don't have the, they raise their family. Mm. They mm. did that, and now if they want to do things and no one finds out, no big deal. That is so I've also wondered if it's a little bit of a thing of like, well, they're old enough, and so now we trust their judgment because they've obeyed the rules for long enough. Like, is that part of it? I don't know. I don't know. It could be. But, I mean, I, I, do, I, think, I honestly, I think my grandparents could even get away with flying if they wanted to. Oh, like, that's right. The old order can't fly. Yeah, the new order can. To, yes. I know. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. And then going back to what you were talking about, about a woman's worth being in her children, I guess you were just sharing your experience with kind of disconnecting that like, mm-hmm. and, and finding your own identity outside of who, outside of the children that you birthed. Yeah. Well, finding an identity outside of being a mother yeah. and a wife, mm-hmm. I think is very important. Um, for me, it's... It has helped my mental state a lot, having an identity other than being a wife and a mother. Mm-hmm. And that ties into everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. 
I've thought about that a lot because I can't wait to be a mom. I, mm-hmm. I am a person who I very much look forward to being a mom. I hope to have quite a few children. I, I can't wait to be a mom. But I feel like having this eight-year period of where I've been married, um, well, number one, I've gotten a lot of time to examine all my beliefs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and number two... I feel like I'm going to be going into motherhood with a totally different perspective. And I, I've, I've had the time to realize that my whole identity is not wrapped up in that. And I hope that I won't, I will have avoided the point that I feel like a lot of my friends have reached of that they're moms and what am I outside of a mom? So I hope to have avoided that. <laughs> Who knows? You never know. I um, I'm not at that point yet, so I don't yes. know. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go, you know. I but you have the wisdom. I, I feel like, like you I'm have an wisdom. understanding. Yeah, I feel like going into motherhood, I'm like, I am not just a mother. So yes. I have that base knowledge. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed in that season, because I do have enough wisdom and foresight to know that it will be a very overwhelming season. I've had enough <laughs> friends who have kids. But it's still like... I feel like just recently I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, it still is a little panicky to me to think of like my non-existent children um, growing up and leaving the house and then what am I left to do? And that sounds kind of dumb, but it's like a very real like, Mm -hmm. okay, what do you do after you're done raising kids? And I was recently I was thinking about it and I realized I had made progress because I was no longer feeling the panicky feeling. I was like, there's actually quite a few things that I would be very excited to pursue and I real, I kind of had this moment of like, I cried because I was very proud of myself and I felt almost like, wow, I have grown. I, I could look and see legitimate growth. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, you have really grown and you have really started to have your own identity as a person. And as like, I don't know. That's just, as someone who comes from the Amish culture, that's really big. It is. And it is something to be proud of. Yeah. Because that is a major, something major that you grew in. Yeah. Any little growth. Like everything we're talking about is just, there's so much years long processes like we're talking about of coming out of mindsets, coming out of uh, belief patterns. Mm -hmm. And any little progress is so much to be proud of. I think the whole thing of, like, finding your identity outside of being, like, a wife and mom, like, for me, like, just starting the podcast was, like, a Mm. big deal. Like, that's part of why I did that, because my therapist was like, you need to find some things to do that are just for you. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, it checks so many boxes, like... Almost forced to hang out with me. <laughs> um, so extrovert box, check that one off. And I don't know. I think yeah. it's just been, yeah. We've talked about before that I was petrified to start the podcast. Yeah, I kind of, honestly, I kind of had to push you a little bit at first. Oh, you did. Because I was just, we talked about it and you were like, yeah, that sounds like fun. And then I was like, okay, so we're just going to do it. And you were, and then it was like, oh, so think, we're doing it now for sure? And I'm yeah. like, yes, we are. And you're like, oh. I okay. think that if it would have been up to me, we would have procrastinated for another, yes. you know. She, she did. She, <laughs> I think you wanted to procrastinate for like at least another six months. I was going to say six months. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I did not feel ready. I also really questioned what I have to contribute to the world. Because as I women, we do. 
Mm-hmm. That is, yep, that ties in. Yeah. I think I, I had those same things, but I had also, like, just had several different conversations with people where we were talking about some stuff. And they were just like, this is such a good conversation. Like, everybody needs to be having this conversation. And I was like, you know, I had this idea of Alma and I having a podcast. And they were like, you should do it. And so I had several people saying this. And then I was like, Alma, I think we need to do this. And I also, I think I kind of pushed it because I was like, if we don't do it, it's now or never. Like, if we, if for me, I think if we would have procrastinated, I would have never done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Well, at least you know I yourself. I kind of like ride that wave of like, okay, well, everybody's saying we should do it. So... Yeah. I think that sounds like peer pressure, but it wasn't. It was like peer encouragement. It was good peer pressure. Yeah, it was. It was good peer pressure. I'm glad you listened and that you pushed. I am am too. I am too. And I will say it has been really incredible watching like Mm -hmm. you have something outside of Mm -hmm. being a wife and mom because I've seen you really like grow in so many areas. (laughs) Like even believing you do have something to contribute. That's incredible. Yeah. We're just going to have to have you back for round two at some point to go more in depth on several other things, because I feel like because of your life experiences that we've kind of talked through, you have a lot to talk about on several different, quite a few different areas. Um, And we could really go in depth on quite a few things. Um, I mean, we could go even farther with the, the, the womanhood, the female role. We don't have all the time in the world for this episode, so we're just going to have to have you back. But we've been talking a lot about coming out of Mindsets of the Amish, and so one question I wanted to ask you is, what would you say is something you're thankful for in your Amish background? What I'm thankful for is actually nothing we've even talked about. Um, I really appreciate the life value lessons I learned as far as like being outside, working with the land, in a sense, living off the land, living a simple way, mm-hmm. and learning how to take care of animals. I grew up on, didn't grow up on a farm, but we moved to a farm when I was 15, 16. Okay. And I helped on the farm for the first two years, three years, and I was in charge of a lot of stuff, like a, the baby animals, the calves. I was in charge of goats at one time. And I learned a lot mm-hmm. of that aspect. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about gardening, about flower gardens. I had my own flower garden at um, 13, I think, mm-hmm. maybe younger. So I was – I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Like that base of knowledge that I did learn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they do that well. Like yeah. The whole living simply, which is – part of what they are about. Yeah. Um, but I am very grateful for that. And I know, like, you've talked about community and family. Like, they do that mm-hmm. with some exceptions, I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah. But, like, that is definitely on top of my list is the working with your hands, almost, like, do it yourself. Yeah. hmm Yeah, absolutely. I would have to agree. I feel like I learned so many life skills. I also learned sewing, but I'm not, do not like that. Yeah. (laughs) I love sewing. I did not, like, I was not taught that. I've taught myself how to sew. I love to sew. I hate it. Yeah. (laughs) And I know how. (laughs) Well, my mom always hated it too. And I think it just depends on the person. Yeah. And I think that 
if it's something that you have to do because your clothes have to be sewn, I think it's probably a different thing than if you're doing it for enjoyment. It is, which I have sewn for enjoyment too, but I don't enjoy it. And I've learned that and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm quite okay with just working outside instead of sewing. We're all different. We all have different strengths. I'll let Crystal sew. Yes. (laughs) I feel like we missed out on a question we should have asked the last time that we had a guest on the podcast. Yeah, what's that? How do you feel about mashed potatoes? (laughs) (laughs) You can't live without them. (laughs) Can't live without them. I'm not alone in this world. You are not. I like them. My husband and daughter like them. They are our comfort food. Yes. See, me too. Yeah. Have I ever said that I can live without mashed potatoes? You said that it would not be like you wouldn't. I said if Amish food. Yes. Yes, that's right. That's what I said. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And I picked out the mashed potatoes. I'm like, are you? you But mashed potatoes aren't strictly Amish. We already. But the Amish ones are the best ones. They are. Okay. Yes, we did. Okay. Yeah. We, so you you are saying like you would leave the best mashed potatoes in the world behind? It's okay. But yes, glad to hear you like mashed potatoes. How do you feel about sharks? No. <laughs> I will swim in the ocean, and I do eat more cantaloupe than honeydew, but I do like honeydew better. <laughs> just cover all of them. Yeah, just like on top of all of our disagreements. <laughs> so, so would you go skydiving? Absolutely. Oh, Have yeah. you gone skydiving? No, it's on my bucket list. Okay. okay. So wow. someday I would rather want to go parasailing because, I want to go okay, you jump out of a plane. It's fun. It's thrilling. It's exhilarating, but it's over Terrifying. so quickly. It is over very quickly. Yes. And I would much rather be able to see more of the earth as I'm coming down. We were just talking about parasailing. We were. Yeah. So, yeah. I have another question for you guys. Why is cold water so insecure? I don't know. It's never called hot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, we've gotten all the questions and jokes out of the way. We've cleared all the debates. I want to touch back on, we were briefly talking about, um, like, the role of family in the Amish and how there's, like, this responsibility to family. You talked about how your grandmother still gives gifts. Mm -hmm. There is this responsibility to no matter how old you are, you ask your parents for advice. Yes. And you, like, you get their advice. And generally, it's, like, it's well looked upon to follow their advice. Would you say that's the case? Yes, I would definitely say that's the case. Um, And I would also say, like, with that... I have also found that children of parents can seldom offer advice to parents. That they'll actually listen. Mm. Um, Because it's the whole thing. They can't accept it from their children. Mm -hmm. And they still view them as children instead of adults that have life experience and value and opinions Mm -hmm. or advice. But yes. That's that's well said, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, I was just kind of curious, like, if, I guess if you guys noticed the same thing. I feel like, in general, um, there is this, 
need to please your parents no matter how old you are. And uh, like seeing, I can't speak first person narrative, but seeing the perspective of my parents leaving the Amish and um, not pleasing their parents very obviously that like lasted for a lot of years for them. And even my dad went back recently to visit his um, parents and coming back from that, he kind of had this experience of like, wow, I really just need to let go completely because that doesn't define me. It's a very difficult point to reach of knowing that you're never going to please your parents when for so much of your life, it was very valued as your parents. Yes. Well, and it's been how many years since they've left and like, yeah, so, a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, 20. I mean, like, you can go, like, 20, somebody, 20. when they leave, they can, you know, you can extend the olive branch to your family. But, like, after so long of them not taking you up on it, it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, um, I actually wrote something down that ties in. I said the whole thing, like, wanting to please someone and live up to their expectations of what they had for your life, like what my parents have for my life. Mm-hmm. And yet knowing, like, I knew deep inside with me, like, a, at a pretty young age that I couldn't live up to those expectations, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't. And that means I'll probably never live up to their expectations of me to this day mm-hmm. unless they change their expectations that they have yeah. for me. yeah. And that's a hard thing yeah. like, to deal with and knowing that no matter what I do mm-hmm. in my life, I will always fall short mm-hmm. of them being pleased with me. Mm-hmm. You have to let it go at some point, And yet it's like that whole thing, a lot of life choices and everyday things, you as a person. Mm-hmm hinge on having that confirmation yeah that what you're doing we're proud of you Mm -hmm. and we love you and support you no matter what Mm -hmm. and realizing you won't hear that from someone you care about and love so much and who is supposed to care about and love you so much yes it's supposed to be unconditional and it's not yeah I mean, in an ideal world, a parent would be the person who would validate you no matter Mm -hmm. what and would validate your emotions and everything you're going through. And yeah, as a first generation, I mean, people experience it in a lot of cultures, but first generation leaving the Amish, I can't even imagine. Yes. And that's the whole thing of, well, I know I don't want that for my daughter. Mm -hmm. So how can I have unconditional love for her? Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Oh, my goodness. That's a very good point because you have no example to go I have of. no example. Mm-hmm. I know what I would have liked to see. I know what my husband would like to see. Mm-hmm. And we can take that and build on it. But it's like we don't have experience with it, mm-hmm. with receiving it. Yeah. I think that's what most of us do as parents, too, honestly. Like, yes. I think we're all doing that. We're all taking what, you know, the things we wish we could have had or... Or even taking the best parts of what we had. Yes, taking the best of what we had. And it's the whole thing of like your your parents' ceiling is your floor. Mm -hmm. And so we take what we had and we build on that and try to make it good as we can for our kids. And know that they are going to be able to go even beyond that, yes. And being okay when they do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's huge too. 
Yeah. Because I guess I've seen it several times where a child goes and takes steps and the parent is like, no, no. You know, they don't say that, but there's this pullback of like, subconsciously, it's not allowed for the child to go farther than the parent. Why Mm -hmm. would you do that? I think it's because it's it's the whole thing of like living inside of a box. Like you have a box Mm -hmm. and this is the safe zone. And Mm, so safety, that's the safe zone. And so when your child goes outside of the box and outside of the safe zone, it's like, yeah, no, come back. Especially if they haven't been taught how to handle. Yes. How to have the outside, outside the safe zone. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. For me personally, I kind of look forward to seeing like where my kids will be able to go. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like I'm excited for that too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very exciting prospect. Mm-hmm. Kind of going off of that, um, I wanted to ask you, or we we wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. and we can kind of phrase this in um, speaking about your daughter. What is one thing that you think every woman should know? So, like, what's one thing that is so important to you that your daughter, when she grows up, that she knows? That she is valued for who she is. She is not less because she is woman. She is not below like she's not second tier Mm -hmm. she's not a second tier human she is fully herself fully human and she's enough for exactly who she is and her opinions her thoughts her character her moods her emotions everything matters yeah Mm -hmm. like there is value in who she is and what she does and it's not hinged on anything else I love that. Like, just being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's enough. That's amazing. I think that sums it all up. I think that was very well said. And we are very thankful that you agreed to come talk with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been good. Maybe we'll have you back. If you're willing. (laughs) I would be willing. I love to chat anytime. Good conversations. Always great. Yeah. Deep conversations about things that no one ever talks about. Yes, I am here for those. (laughs) Yes. So for those of you listening, if you don't already follow us on Instagram and Facebook, you can find us at The Friendship Bread. And if you like this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. I think Brenda had a lot of really wonderful things to share with us. Mm -hmm. If you want to share that, that'd be great. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. And we hope you'll be back next week for another episode of the Friendship Bread Podcast. Bye!